We're Kenyon and Takara Martin, faith-based marriage coaches, champions for healthy love, and lovers of pizza. And this is the Ask the Martins podcast, where we answer your single, married, or dating relationship questions with practical advice and research-based techniques. Have a relationship question you want answered? Well, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Ask the Martins or visit us at AskTheMartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. Um, we're going to go ahead and read this letter here. Uh-huh, go ahead. Um, and it says, Dear Kenyon and Takara, my name is, we crossed that out, and I have been in an on-and-off relationship since I was 17, but we have finally decided to stack the hand, to stack hands and be in this thing for the long haul. Mm-hmm. He and I were childhood friends that grew into love. We come from very, very different backgrounds. He grew up in the foster system, troubled with the law, victim of abuse, etc., where I Grew up in a single parent household, dad in and out of my life, not much affection in the home, etc. And it's beginning to cause some roadblocks in our relationship, more on our relationship, more so on his end. He has done well for himself. He's a great provider, super intelligent, well connected, but lacks emotion or an affection. Um, it lacks emotion, affection, and emotion or affection is something that I want and need in our relationship. Mm-hmm. We've discussed this time and time again, and it usually ends with me being over, overly emotional, in quotes, or ungrateful or unfair because I should just know that I am loved. He has made it very clear on more than one occasion that a relationship is what is a want and not a need. So when life gets a little hectic for him, the first thing to get put on the shelf is our relationship. I'm really torn and I have no clue what steps I should take because I know he is my person and could be the perfect spouse if we overcome these hurdles. (laughs) Got you. Please help. Okay, you got it? We ready? We ready. We ready to get started? All right. So here's the deal. We hear the question. Um, you might have. You might hear the question, and you might say, "I mean, it's a no-brainer," but right. really, it isn't. And so, let me first let's kind of break down here exactly what she's asking. She says, "Help," but what is she asking for help for? Mm-hmm. Uh, her question, in all honesty, is, "How can I encourage him to see value in my needs and in us, so that we can work?" Mm-hmm. Right. Now, a shorter version of that question is, how can I get him to change how he values me mm-hmm. and us? All right. And then finally, if we really want to just get to the to the nuts and bolts of it, what she's really asking is, how can I change him so that we can work? Now, when we get it down to that nitty gritty right there, how could I change him so that we can work? There's already a multitude of answers that hit our head. Most of us are right, but it's always easy to be on the outside of a situation and looking in and have so much some some kind of right answer. That makes sense. Uh huh. But what we want to do is because we've seen this so many times before, we want to take this letter. We want to take what she's doing here and break it down and not only respond to what she could or should do or whatever answer we could give her. We also want to kind of identify how she got here. 
Yeah. How did she get here? How did what 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 got her stuck here in this particular place? Now, with that in mind, let me make sure I I'm I'm, I'm want to be very very clear about this. We have a very it's important for us to have a balanced perspective. Obviously, we're hearing from one side of the party. There yeah. are always three truths to every story or um, three three sides, three sides yeah. to every story. So we're we're sticking with her side and we're going to break this down and walk it through. It makes sense. Yeah. You ready for it? I'm here. All right. Now, number one, the first thing she said was that they've been doing a back and forth since she was 17 years old. Now, we did. I did ask an uh, additional inquiry. How old are you now? She's, thir- uh, she's 30, around 30, right? So we're looking at over a decade of back and forth behavior. We're looking at over a decade of a, of a relationship that's been on and off. Man. But more than that, what we're looking at is we're looking at her being developed in this in those developmental years. From 17 to about a little bit after 20, you're still developing mentally and emotionally. But and, and it doesn't mean that she's she was less intelligent. It doesn't mean that she was she didn't know what she was doing. It means that um, her personal desire, her behavior, her connection habits, all of these were being ingrained during this time. And as a matter of fact, they started before this gentleman, before her dating. And if she, she's watching, they started before you were dating in the toxic relationship with um, a father who walked in and out of your life and with uh, a distant emotions in your home. Go ahead. No. And I think it's important to note because you touched on the fact that her father was in and out. Right. And that's kind of her her home culture that she's coming from. But he grew up in a foster system. Okay. So when you think about foster system, there's a lot of in and out of your life from that as well. Mm -hmm. So he knows everything there is to know about people coming and going, him probably going in and out of foster care homes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you look at that as well, what she's coming from. Not only did she deal with that with her father, but she's now been in an on and off relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And he comes from a very unstable place as well and so now you're looking at now what she's grown up in and what she's now carrying into adulthood into the man that she's attracted right so what you're looking at is you're looking at norms you're looking at cultivated behavior and a culture of norms around a relationship around intimate relationships Mm -hmm. and so what you're doing is you find she finds herself now let's let's be honest it's not all about it's not like she's so profoundly psychologically broken that this is just who she is and there there's no love involved she certainly loves him she certainly desires him she certainly wants to be with him but what she's allowing in this situation knowing that she is not built to be distanced knowing that she's not built for not having an emotional connection she's allowing she was she's allowing it because there's a comfortability and a familiarity with this kind of behavior in her yep. life mm-hmm. that makes sense yep okay and so she's going she's gone through these cycles of rejection consistently on a consistent basis and and I'm not saying she likes it it's 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 hurtful Right. Yeah, of course. Um, it is something that she doesn't want. Obviously, has been out and in for over 13 years, for over a decade. With that being the case, though, it doesn't matter whether she doesn't like it or not. It's, it matters if she uh, continues to tolerate it. 
And what she's finding is, is that his personal dysfunction fits her mm-hmm. because that's what she knows. Does that make sense? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So now number two is number two. And this is this is I like where you were going a little bit ago um, because you were looking at his background. Yeah. And so number two, what we found here out of this situation, another reason why she's here is because she does what all women seem to do. Uh, I'm sorry. It, no matter who talks to us, no matter who we have counseled, no matter who drops in our DMs just out of the blue or whatever the case may be, it's always a situation where she is analyzing his background. And it comes across like, I know he's this, but what can help him? Or I know this is going on with him, but what can I do? Mm-hmm. And what's going on is is that when we, at, when we analyze and diagnose and, and reason in order to... Uh, to find an excuse to continue to invest in the same toxic relationship. And that's basically what she's doing. When we look at these anal- anal- analysis and, and diagnosis and we start applying these things, we convince ourselves that their ailment means that their behavior is not their fault. And so we allow them to stay there. When we convince ourselves that their ailment um, or when we uh convince ourselves of that we actually give them the permission to behave that way Mm -hmm. consistency consistently and then we take on the responsibility of trying to find the answers so once we begin to diagnose once we begin to step in and say well i know you've gone through this or i know you've gone through that well you know what i can't take what you're doing to me but it's not your fault i'll keep taking it until i can find an answer for you yes a solution for you and the problem is is that when you take upon the responsibility you relieve him of the accountability and once you relieved him of the accountability there's nothing else he has to do or need to do now the second part of that is, is that once you begin that process of analyzing and once you begin that process of diagnosing him and figuring out what's wrong with him, now that you have convinced yourself that he's not at fault, but something someone did to him or something his life did to him is at fault. Now you feel obligated. Your commitment rides out into a place of obligation. So now if you do walk away, you feel like you're abandoning this person. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So this particular, especially when you're dating, especially when you're old friends or whatever, this place in time, this area in time, whenever you spend time trying to convince yourself that there's something wrong with them, you're you're pushing yourself into nurture and nursemaid mode. And once you put yourself into nurture mode and once you put yourself into nurse mode, now you have taken responsibility on getting them better, even when they feel like they're okay. There's so many things. Well, you also like just like took all my like good (laughs) points that I was gonna make. Like I feel like like I had things to say, but you said them. Um, But I think it's it's very important. I'm trying to like get us both in here. I hate that like IG only like that's that's all right. IG gonna get used to it because IG know IG. Yeah. What up, you too? Hey, Jennifer, I see you. So I think it's important. Like rewind a little bit what you said. Like they're taking on the responsibility. Um, and becoming the nurturer and the the nursemaid of that person. Right. What you have to realize is, oh gosh. So we've mm-hmm. we've seen this. Women come to us and they complain, they complain, they fuss, they fight, they do not like, they hate how they're treated, but they do not want to let their investment go. Mm-hmm. And 
biggest part of that is, but if I can just get him to do, if I can just get him to see, if I can just move him over here, if I can just turn his head this way, we've had people come to us like, if I can just get my husband to hang out with y'all, if I can just get my boyfriend, like, can we just be friends and we can do this? If I can't, huh? I, I, I'm sorry. I don't hang out. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't do the hangout thing. I'm, and, and it's not that I don't, I love people. Obviously I treat, I help them, but I, yeah, we don't do the couples thing. It's, it, I will it, if she tell me to, but I, I right. not me. Like we, we try, don't get us wrong. We, we like people, but I think it's the idea that people believe that if you can manufacture a situation, a scenario, that it's going to then make that person then better for you. And there are no set of circumstances that you can manufacture in order to get somebody to be what you want them to be. If you're gut-wrenching honest, this relationship is not what you want, but you're in a situation situation where you have put on a cape and said I can save them I can heal them I can help them so now let's find a way to create a a better situation for them so that it can become better for me absolutely absolutely so that's going from actually you're going from the diagnostic to the treatment you are becoming their treatment mm-hmm. you, you see what I'm saying and, and that's what gets usually gets us stuck how many have been there right me 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 now the third area that really usually gets us stuck or gets that I see women do all the time. And here's the thing. This is not just clients. This is um, uh, uh, sisters, cousins. This yeah. this is friends. Um, what they try to do is they do what we call inflated pluses. Inflated pluses in order to balance the responsibility that you've taken on and the negatives in the situation, you've inflated how positive they are. They're positives. So here in this situation, she says he's super intelligent. Uh huh. He's a good provider. Well, and he's well connected. That's right. He's super intelligent. He's a good provider. He's well connected. The problem here, the very first problem I see right now is if he's so super intelligent, why are you not giving him credit for the decisions that he's making? Mm. You can't say somebody is super intelligent. Oh, he's such a smart. Oh, he's so smart. And then take away from him the decisions that he the choices that he's making, because really what you're doing is you're 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 um, what is that? What is that? Uh. Um, you're lying to yourself. I'll put it that way. You're lying to yourself either about his intelligence or you're lying to yourself about your ability to trust his intelligence. That's the very first part right there, right there that creates an issue for me. Um, the second one is that, let's see, what did she say? He has made it very clear. Oh, yeah, he's made it very clear for more than on more than one occasion that a relationship is a want and not a need. This is his intelligence talking. That that right there did it for me. That's his intelligence talking. If he's made it very clear and you, that clarity came forward to you, whether it hurts or not, that's his intelligence uh, that are talking, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. It, Go ahead. And, and I think he's intelligent enough to, and somebody said he's not emotionally intelligent here on Instagram. Okay, I'll even give him that. But I think I, I I mean I'll give you that possibly, but I think he's intelligent enough to realize that emotions are not something that he's guided by. 
Right. So it's it's not like he lacks emotional intelligence. I think emotional intelligence tells you that this is not these sort of things are not something that I necessarily need. And I feel like that's doing you the ultimate courtesy. <laughs> By, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say there's a difference between emotional emotional intelligence and maturity and ap- and or unintelligence and apathy. Mm-hmm. When someone when 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 someone is apathetic and they don't connect or have chosen not to connect or don't know how to connect what we're looking at is we're looking at a part of them that has been that has been stifled that has been uh, for lack of a better word retarded or slowed down to the point where it's yeah. not functional the, uh, or he's decided to not make it fir- functional. Well, and that's very important. Yeah, Go you ahead. think, again, somebody, and all I keep going back to is people who grew up in the foster care system. My uh, my family uh, back home in California, they own a series of foster care, the temporary group homes for people. And one of the things that you see um, is that people again? People are going in and out of their lives, and it's the same thing that happens in people who tr- uh, in the military who move around a lot. You have become desensitized to relationships mm-hmm. and building those relationships because you realize that sorry, your life, your history has trained you to believe that they are not permanent. Right. And I have to learn how to function without it because that's not going to stop. Like if they stop, if people stop, if people leave. I'm not I'm still going to be here. So I have to learn how to function outside of that relationship. And I think one of the most damaging things that if you can do to yourself. And again, I've been there with someone who did not believe that my love language, we'll call it my love language, was not important. And one of the biggest disservices you can do to yourself is be in a relationship with someone who has told you that what you need, what you starve from, what you crave in a relationship Mm -hmm. is not important to them. Because what you begin to do is you begin to then tell yourself that what I need in a relationship Maybe it's just not important. Maybe I'm just asking for too much. Maybe I'm being unreasonable in what I'm looking for. And that's the one thing you don't want to do is sit in a situation where somebody has told you what's not important to them. And you say, okay, I'm just going to sit here then and accept this, but hope that maybe y'all can get through to him so he can see that I really need this too. You're choosing to starve. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the problem is I like you bringing up like his background, but but ultimately, if he's OK, <laughs> I, I notice you keep like flinching when I say it. But like, I think it's right. important to understand. Because I mean, here's the thing. Ultimately, if that's his background and he's OK with his background and he's OK with where he's at. At what point does that become her responsibility? It doesn't. Become and it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's good to understand it. It's good to notice it. We'll take notice for you. But at no point does that become your responsibility. Yeah. Okay. So the idea, here's the thing. Being smart, being a provider, and being connected are obviously not enough. It's it's, it's not enough. And I'm going to make, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Those things, especially being a provider, a man should definitely become a provider. But we live in this, some of us, some of us, some of you, live in this antiquated thought process that provision or being a provider redeems him as a partner. And that does not do that. Mm-hmm. Not it, It's not enough. Being a provider never has been enough. We're not made for 
for it to be enough. We are made for human engagement and connection. And if being a provider is the excuse to say that's as far as I'm going, as far as my intimacy with you, then that's a problem. It's not going to be enough. You see what I'm saying? Uh huh. It's so, look. It's the least a problem for you because you've stated as much. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that being the case, that being the case, um, what we're looking at is we're looking at inflated pluses in order to offset the missing components of yes. the relationship. So let me just recap real quick the three areas in which we've already identified why she's stuck where she is. Number one, she's cultivated or she's been cultivated in a, in a dysfunctional relationship with him, with him and her father at uh-huh. a young age. Right. This She's comfortable being uncomfortable. Number two, she's using analyzing and diagnosing to excuse behavior and to release his personal accountability. Number three, she's inflated his pluses in order to offset painful minuses. Jesus. Okay. Number four, one more. And this is interesting too, because we see this. <laughs> Listen, if I'm, we, I'm so we tired. See this, we see this a lot too, but it's right here in her letter. This is like, this, this letter is a perfect case study. Really? Mm-hmm. Number four, stating a one-sided claim. Here's what she said. I know he is my person. He your person. Come on, Aaron Gray. Right. <laughs> it's Meredith. Meredith. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Meredith, whatever. <laughs> I know he is my person and could be the perfect spouse if we could overcome the hurdles. Now. He, look. No, you go ahead. No. Uh, no, what you going to say? What you going to nope, say? Nope, you finished because I'm probably going to say what you was going to say. Okay. So, here, here. Here's the thing. Just to be fair. Both men and women both do these one-sided claims. Mm -hmm. Men mostly, not in all cases, but mostly all men do one-sided claims when they shoot and they shot. Right. You know, you my person. God sent me to you. God sent you to me. This is destiny. This is fate. This is you my wife, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, right? Men usually do that up front when they shoot and they shot. Mm -hmm. Women tend to use this kind of verbiage once they're already inside the relationship. Come on. And so they utilize this verbiage in order to maintain the relationship or try to convince themselves to maintain a relationship. Right. So she'll say, he's my person. God sent him to me. God made God made me for him. Uh-huh. And so on and so forth. Now, the, the similarity in both of these situations is that the sentiment is only held by one person. And that one person not only have to convince the other person that that sentiment is right, but they also got to convince themselves that that sentiment is okay. So the idea of saying that he's my person is a conviction that only you have. And if he doesn't have it, he doesn't share it. That makes sense? Yes. Can I say something? Yes. Yes. Yes, you can. I'm going to turn the camera. So (laughs) talk to the people. Listen, listen, boys and girls. Here's what what I just heard in that statement. She said, I know he's my person and he could be the perfect spouse Mm -hmm. if we could overcome these hurdles. Here's what we know by what she just stated there. She has already staked her claim in becoming this man's wife. 
She has already put it out there that he could be the perfect spouse. That means your mind, your heart, your body is committed to this person being a spouse to you. That means hell or high water, you're going to make that person your spouse and you're going to continue to inflate the pluses. He is your person. He is all of these things that you believe he could be. And it's like, he's my person, but he could be, but, and it's like on the other side of that, but is what's really keeping him from being the perfect spouse to you. But do you understand that once he becomes a spouse to you, nothing changes. It only gets worse. It only compounds on top of what you're already not getting. Once you become a spouse, a lot of times, especially for men who feel like I'm a provider, I'm laying the pipe down. That's really all I need to be doing in order to be a good spouse. Mm-hmm. Once they get to that place, there's very little more they have to do anyway. Right. It's not even like he's courting you right now. It's not even like he's like trying to win you over. He has said who he is and you're making him a spouse already in your mind. And then you're asking us to give you ways for y'all to overcome these hurdles mm-hmm. how about before you start making someone your spouse in your mind you make yourself a priority and i and i know i'm about to step on where you're ending no, up go at, ahead, girl. but i'm like you make yourself a priority in terms of what you need from a spouse because 12 plus 2 can't equal 25 <laughs> like you can't make that work where are you at what do you need and if that's not adding up over here stop already putting this man in the spouse box for yourself it's not going to work you should right absolutely i don't know what you stepped on with me but all i know is what you said was the truth <laughs> i'm just saying i know i remember stuff you said earlier that you told me and i just yeah well here's the thing here's the issue if you got to thoroughly convince yourself, you have to actually look at that he's mentally, philosophically, emotionally, behaviorally, 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 <laughs> behaviorally, <laughs> verbally, several times, he's made it clear that he's unconvinced about that statement. Mm-hmm. He's not convinced. And as a matter of fact, that statement is not even priority. Right. It only works when he feels like it. So when he says, so when she says, I'm really torn and I have no clue what steps I should take because I know he is my person, what she's what she's basically doing is saying, what things can I do to take responsibility for him? Mm. How can I stake my claim now that I've claimed him? Yeah. And now she's looking for them to overcome hurdles that are literally all him that he has no problem with. We're, it, the thing is, is that it's not it's not bad that he's where he is because he wants to be there. Like, yeah, he's perfectly fine. He's made a decision. I can't make a character judgment on him. What I can say is, is that she, he's definitely displaying everything or the things that she doesn't want that's immaterial. Right. You see what I'm saying? So my thing is, how can he be your person when he's deaf and mute to your needs? He doesn't hear them, nor does he respond to them. How That's how real. does that how does that work? How does he be a, become your person or, or your perfect person if um, if every time you plead for him to pay attention, he turns it into your problem? How can he be that? Mm-hmm. Okay, how can that be the case? Um, how can he be the person if the relationship 
it has the least value of any and everything that he possesses. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is not something that, if you want it, it's cool. Again, it's fine for you to understand that this is uh, that this is what you want. He's what you want, but you gotta not ignore what comes with him. Can I just also say something too? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, ladies, you know I'm about to tell you the truth. Um, we romanticize the idea of being with someone. Since mm-hmm. childhood, mm-hmm. since high school, our high school sweetheart, somebody we grew up with, the boy next door. And I think it's really unfortunate that that is so romanticized. Like, I think it's a great thing if that our grandparents did it. I think it's a great thing if it can still happen today. The problem that 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 comes into play is the fact that, like Kenyon alluded to earlier when we first started, is that 17, 18, 19 through 20 plus years old, we are still developing who we are. Mm -hmm. And so she's grown up not only into this relationship, she's grown up into a form of relationship that mirrors abandonment, that continues to show her what emotional neglect looks like. And when you are in a relationship from childhood and you grow up in this type of situation, good or bad you have to realize that you're romanticizing um a a really i would say not a dead-end relationship but you're romanticizing something but it's when we're kids let me put it like this Mm -hmm. when we're children and we're home especially if you grew up without your father in the home or you grew up with absent parents or anything like that Mm -hmm. what do we do what we do, baby. We romanticize who our parent is. We romanticize. The absent parent, we start lying to our friends. Mm-hmm. My daddy's a pilot. Mm-hmm. My daddy's a ninja. I'm with you. My daddy. A ninja. <laughs> my dad, you know, my daddy travels all over the world. He's an astronaut. We start imagining and doing all these things to convince ourselves and convince those around us that we have something perfect. Even though it's not here, we're convincing ourselves that there's something perfect coming to get us. There's something yes. perfect coming for us. That's good. And so now she's in this relationship with this man who could be the perfect husband. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's this. He's that. But he's absent right now. He's he's you know, he could be the perfect spouse, but the husband in him is absent right now. And so now I'm trying to convince myself and everyone around me that the man that I want, the perfect man that I want is sitting here next to me. But the part of him that I need is emotionally unavailable. I just need to find a way to fix him so that person can appear. Absolutely. That's good. You've That's good. done that and you started that and now we're trying to we're not trying to go help you figure out how to get this man to be who, like who he don't want to be. Right. Brother, you said overcome these hurdles. He looking at the fence like I know hurdles here. Like I'm just <laughs> step right like, on over these. These aren't hurdles. These are my boundaries. I live like, in these this. These are balance beams. Like right. <laughs> this is my jungle gym. Right. Like, <laughs> I live I play this is where I play. Dating, right? <laughs> it's either disappointing, we're tired of trying, or we're sick of the same old, same old. Same people, same lies, same games, same disappointments. Oh, listen, we get it. When Takara and I met, we were in the sick and tired or being sick and tired category too. Well, to be honest, we dated with clarity, intention, and strategy, a way in which we hadn't really dated before. We dated by design. This way of dating kept us from dating in fear, dating with false hopes, or dating out of our own thirst. Dating by design gave us the courage to not be so tied up in our attractions that we weren't willing to walk away when we needed to. 
So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you need to be dating by design too. We took the dating methods and strategies that we use with and for each other and combine them with our own coaching practice to bring you Dating by Design. Now, Dating by Design is an easy to follow course and guide that will help you to develop your own design to dating. Whether you're dating someone right now or getting ready to, this course will help you to learn how to evaluate whether where you are or are going is where you really want to be. It's so full of practical wisdom and direction that it ensures you'll never date the same again. So check us out. Go to courses.askthemartins.com. That's courses.askthemartins.com to learn more about dating by design. But someone said this, and I want to touch on this because this is so good. Who said, where was it at? Um, they said, oh, 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 truthfully living. This is so good. I hope she is seeking godly counsel and the Lord's discernment. Marriage is a covenant. We should be striving to get this right the first time. Yes. Now, I want to I want to put I wanted to say that out loud because this is going to be very important because the the idea is is that we have these thoughts that we want someone to seek godly counsel. But we're not sure how that fits into our lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to show you this because godly counsel comes by two ways, by 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 the word and our experienced walk. Mm -hmm. Right now, follow me here. And I'll tell you why this is such a problem to her. It really fits into what Takara just said. Ancient Hebrew custom. Come on. Okay. Was that um, you, you had the daughter at home. Her father took care of her. Her father was the provider. Her father was the protector. Her father protected her purity. Her father made sure she was good. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Her father made sure she had land to go with her as she left. Her father made sure so much was together with her that she didn't have to worry for nothing if nobody came around. That's good. Mm -hmm. Ancient Hebrew custom. A young man comes. And when the young man comes, he will either ask her and her father or her father yes. okay now we see very we see this actually going uh, in 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 uh in the old testament right but just just ancient hebrew customs and so what happens is the father there's a dowry then the father looks him up and down gives him the once over uh-huh. and, and like okay you can take my place with her mm-hmm. okay now watch this this is ancient Hebrew custom, and this is the custom in which we have the scriptures built upon. Why? Because we see that Jesus does the same thing with the church. Jesus comes for the church, and then he came, then he leaves, and he goes build, uh, build parts to his home right. in order to house us as the bride. Right. So the young sir comes and goes to the father. The father says, yes, y'all may be married. As a matter of fact, the father actually performs the ceremony himself usually. And then, or someone, it depends on what times you're looking at. I'm looking at ancient, ancient Near East, right? And then the young sir goes and builds a place to prepare for her. Right. Now watch this. Watch this. When we ask if someone is getting godly counsel, we have to begin to look in their, into their experience of what they've all what what others have already showed them God may be like. They sometimes they don't understand. 
So when you look at her her experience, the young lady who wrote this letter, instead of having a protector provider and a father who's making sure that she has everything she needs, you have someone who's running in and out. She never had a covering. She never had a covering. And so now, even if she is reading the word, what's going on is that her experience is more profound to her than the word that she knows. Yes. And so she gets, wait a minute. So she gets, she doesn't get the the young man asking the father for permission, but she gets permission from the father because this is how the father treated her. Let's. You see what I'm saying? So if this is how her father treated her, to some extent, whether she likes it or not, this must be okay. I just want this. I just want him to grow a little bit so it doesn't hurt so much. Mm-hmm. I just want this shoe to fit just a little bit. I want. I need it to widen up. I need him to stretch who he is. But you've already given permission to stay who he is, and you've and 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 that thing has been given that is what has been her counsel. That is what has guided her. That is what has pushed her into this position. He's not an unloving guy. He just doesn't know how to relate to her the way she knows how to relate or the way she needs to be related to. Right. She's not silly or stupid or she's she's not someone who is 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 naive. She's going by what she knows. And if she goes by what she knows, then this is all she's going to end up with. This is the reason why we have to go these deep dives. Because if we just simply answer the question and say, well, you know, this is who he is. And if this is what you want, then you just walk away. Pray about it. But she can't. Yeah. If you give if you begin to give open, open, um, open advice that says pray about it, get good counsel. Do this, do that, do the other. What you're going to find her is she's going to take whatever she gets and she's going to apply it to the experience of all that she knows. She needs to know something new. She needs to be new. And then after she knows something new and after she be is new, she can go and get something new. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And that's and 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 so that's why I think um, truthfully living that's such a profound point. And I just wanted to just put it in there to say to to tell her this is how you get that godly counseling. Counseling, understand who the father actually is. The father is nothing like your father. Mm. A father is nothing like your father. We don't. We're not demonizing him, but what we are saying because we all made mistakes. Amen. But what we are saying is that is not the love that you're seeking. That's the love of the hand you were given. That's right. And if that's the love of the hand you were given, you can actually choose a different hand. Listen. This is not one set of cards, baby. This is a whole game. Rise and fly. Spades. Let's run that Boston. You could get something new right here. Let me tell you something. Because what what's so good about this? And the idea of we have to look at we look at Christ as Christ loves the church. That's the ultimate example of a husband, like Christ loved the church, right? right. Um, we saw that washing in the water of the word and all that stuff. If you go look up, I encourage ladies, um, especially if you did not have a constant father figure, or if you had a poor example of a father figure in your life, before you begin dating again, before you allow somebody else into your space and you try to turn them into a husband, take a step back and learn what a husband is through Christ. Take a step back. If you did not have a father, understand 
being a father to the fatherless was not just a metaphor for you to feel good. There are things in God the Father that we need to learn as an example so that we don't accept what maybe our earthly fathers could not give us. So we do not accept that type of behavior. Go back and study what God the Father looks like. So that way then you can look at Christ and look for what a husband should be, what a priest should be of your home. Everything Kenyon just laid down is basically, it it says, not even basically, my baby said it. (laughs) He's silly. She is going by what she knows and what she has experienced is greater has more weight than what Christ is. And I'm going to tell you, the best way to uh, to, to flip that and reverse it, flip, I'm sorry, just out of the Missy song. <laughs> the best way to flip that is to go then and experience a father's love through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Uh, and you have to. It, it, it has to be an intentional. Um, uh, we're not just talking to ladies here. Um, even though that this letter came from a young lady, um, it can't you have to be intentional about finding out, OK, what really is love so that I can actually be washed by that so that I can actually make that part of my expectations and my norm. But the other side of it is, as men, we have to actually go and tap into that ourselves, because just like you said, his background didn't give him the opportunity to say that this is something um, something valuable that I need to cultivate. Yeah, this is not something that I need to put into my own personal culture. All I need to do is work hard and be there, and that's it. And unfortunately, that is not enough for today's woman. And I'm not saying anything. There's anything wrong with today's woman. It's just that today's woman can give themselves so much that they can ask for what they really need from today's man. Amen. That's all I'm saying. And so there are things that we can do that's beyond that provision. There's it's be, it goes beyond that. It goes into a place of intimacy. It goes into a place of engagement. It goes into a place of offering you what is valuable to you. It goes into really partnership, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So real quick, before we get because I know there's a lot of go, lot lot a lot yeah, of going on yeah, over it's, here. It's just a lot of commentary. It's great. Okay. So. Here's the thing, real quick. Let me go ahead and back up, and ju- I just want to hit these four areas in which you got her stuck. Number one, or you stuck. Number one, she or you are cultivating and cultured in, in a dysfunctional relationship. Number two, you're willing to excuse behavior and absorb the accountability. Number three, you're willing to ignore what you need by focusing on the minimum you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And number four, you believe a claim that doesn't really st- that he doesn't stand with you in. Okay. So what do you do? Let's go ahead and answer that. What do you do? Everybody, he, I, I just know it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. Believe him. <laughs> when somebody shows you who they are. <laughs> it's, not gonna, it's not a negative knock against him. But you got to believe him. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I, I, I'll go one step further. You got to honor him. Honor that man and respect his intelligence that this is what he's chosen. Honor him. Don't say you're sick. Don't say you've gone through this. Don't diagnose him. Honor the man and say, okay, this is what you're chosen, and then, but this is not what I want. Now, when you honor him, what you got to do is identify and honor your own needs. Mm-hmm. Identify whether he's willing or going to actually meet your needs and give him credit. Give him real respectful credit for his choice regarding your needs. That's number one, right? Uh-huh. Number two, after that, decide. 
we can't tell you to because nine times out of ten, one of the most frustrating things is nine times out of ten when we tell somebody to do something, they won't go do it for their own health because we already see we see much further than what they're where they're looking. But that's okay. Now we've learned to let you make that decision. Watch this. You have to decide whether you're going to continue this course with him or you're going to move along. In that decision, you have to decide whether this is the kind of relationship that you want. With that decision, you have to decide whether you can deal with this relationship for the rest of your life. Right. Okay? With that decision, you have to be honest about what you're choosing. Honest about your needs, honest about his willingness to fulfill your needs, but also honest about your ability to change him because you can't. It's not your responsibility to change him. You're not you're not his mother and you should never treat him like a son. That's disrespectful to him. Don't don't disrespect him. Acknowledge what he has already told you. Does that make sense? Yep. Once you've made that decision, once you've been honest with yourself and you've made that decision, what do you do? You choose whether you're going to stay and whether you're going to go. And once you make that choice, your work is going to be cut out for you either one of two ways. Because if you choose to stay, you're going to have to learn to stay without getting what you need. Mm. And you're going to have to learn how to stay in that environment sacrificially and be okay with it. If you choose to go, you're going to have to go and detox from him and that frame of mind. When we say detox, what we mean is get it out of your system. Get that poison out of your system that that makes you settle for something that you really, truly and uh, that's that you really, truly um, don't want. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then after you get that through your system, then you heal from that, which means that there are no other relationships at this time, because if there are other relationships at this time, guess what? You're probably going to choose the same thing. It's like COVID. It's just going to be a different strain. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You better pray. So the idea is, is that you got to choose whether you're going to stay with this and then learn how to fit into that, into his decision, or move forward and learn how to be cleansed from that so that you can make new decisions. Listen, um, and learn. let me tell you all this, too. Learning how to live in a situation that you know you do not uh, authentically want is not staying there long enough hoping that if you just do a whole lot more then he's going to get it and change learning how to live with that says I am acknowledging that it is 99.9% likely that he will not change who he is mm -hmm. and I have to be okay with who he is because let me tell you something it is not fair for him for you to stay and become passive aggressive and become resentful of him for not right. being who he never agreed to become right Right, right. So by saying I am going to do this, if you're going to honor his choice and stay there, because listen, if you truly believe that his good fully outweighs the bad, then you have to honor your choice by saying I cho I'm choosing to be here for exactly how it looks right now. And I'm understanding that it may not ever change. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Martins podcast, recorded live on social media and distributed to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Now, we can't grow without you, so help spread the love. Wherever you found us, rate, like, share, and leave a review. We are grateful to you and appreciate you in advance. Do you have a question for us? Then visit askthemartins.com. 
ask us your question or ask for a friend. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Ask the Martins podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.